We're thankful for you. I'm thankful for what God's doing in our church. The past, uh, past month or two has been an exciting time, I feel like, in the body. It's been um, uh, just, I think this morning as I was talking with some of our volunteers at the church, we were kind of, I think there was just kind of a heaviness of emotions that have happened over the per- first like six weeks of this year of just ups and downs and just kind of getting into the flow of the year. And uh, I, I really want to speak something, um, I think, really valuable into the life of our relationships this morning. Last week, we got started on a series called Circles. And so uh, we're going to dive into the scriptures here in just a moment, but let me confess something about my life. I love my life. Uh, does that sound weird? Do you, I hope you love your life. I, I love my life. Um, it's wild. It's crazy. It has so many ups and downs because my ups and downs are so tied to 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 the body of Christ and just connecting with you and, uh, and what you're going through. And so one of the crazy things about my life, though, is how um, people act when they find out I'm a pastor, like people outside of the church. It's always a really funny scenario. Um, uh, there, was one, there was one time where a, a guy uh, started f- talking to him and, um, you know, having a good conversation and then as soon as it comes up that I'm a pastor, he starts trying to connect me in like super relevant ways. And he starts like naming really old school like Christian songs that he assumes would be common ground for us. And he's like, oh man, I love casting crowns. And like, and I'm like, all right, cool. Like, and he just starts naming off like these old bands. And I'm like, all right, I've never listened to them. But he assumes that that's like the common ground um, for us, there was another time I was in a, a shoe store. Um, it was like a nice shoe store that I don't usually visit, and I just wanted to jump in there and see what they had, and actually broke into like a great conversation um, with just this nice couple, and really just kind of were hitting it off with them. Uh, they were, you know, uh, probably 20 years our senior, but just a really good couple, and we were just spending some time, you know, just talking and getting to know one another in the shoe store. And then somehow he brings up his work, and then of course he asked me what I do, and I don't lie to him, right, because I'm a, I'm a good pastor, right? So um, sometimes I want to because it would just be easier and we don't have to experience this awkwardness that we're about to experience where you feel like you've got to impress me with like your Bible knowledge or your Christian music knowledge, you know? So, um, so it literally, after I told him I was a pastor, the next 15 seconds were so awkward and were so fast. Like it literally, the conversation, it was so good for like 15 minutes and then it ended and they got up and left. I kid you not, that was like our, so I have this interesting relationship when it comes to um, not only like with the, the fellowship of the body and my relationship with, with you all, but also with people that are not of the faith. Um, and and let, me, let me tell you today, I'm going to be talking a lot about um, just what it means like our relationships as believers. And uh, we're a place that like if you don't believe in, in um, uh, Jesus, and you're not a, a gospel believer in the house, like, you're welcome here. Like, we started a church so that um, you'd feel comfortable and have a, an opportunity to grow in faith and family and uh, learn to know about this great love that God has for you. So you're safe here. Um, but I, I also want to have this conversation to, uh, with us today about our relationships with one another as believers and how it's different from relationships with non-believers. So if, if you're a non-believer in the house, don't feel awkward at all. I just pray that you, you feel actually drawn in to the beauty of the gospel and what these relationships within the body of Christ are to be and, and, and the beauty of them and that how there's something within every single one of us that the way God's created the body of Christ fulfills our deepest needs of community and relationships. Actually in the body, Jesus himself actually redefines what family is. 
And so we want to begin to dive into that today. So many times when we begin to think about believers and non-believers, we can begin to think of this us versus them mentality. It drives me nuts um, when I, I see this kind of like us versus the world type deal. And, and there's a, a, a stark contrast in the scriptures between the life that God's called us to leave and the, the kind of the way of the world and, the, and of the flesh, right, is the kind of the other term. But I think many times we kind of reinterpret and kind of begin to have these phrases in which we begin to look at those that are not believers very differently. And as opposed to looking at it's us for them, like God has sent us to the world to share the gospel, we begin to think it's us versus them. And that's a very kind of stark contrast from what we see in the, in, in the scriptures. So it, it's really us for them, us going to share the good news, right? Why would it be us versus them? We begin to think of war and battle as opposed to a missionary that goes to share the good news in the gospel. And that's what I want us to grab a hold of. Are you guys with me so far? Yes, okay. Um, so let's dive into Ephesians chapter 5 today. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to kind of work through like uh, about 20 verses here, and I'll move quickly. I'll kind of, kind of bunch them up together. Let's begin. And, and so basically, I'm just talking about um, our relationship with believers, what that's supposed to look like. And so follow God's example. This is Paul talking to the church. He's talking to a church here. It's a letter he wrote to the church at Ephesus. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Stay right there for just a second. And really, the thing, if you begin to look at this, it's telling us something. What? First, follow God's example. Sometimes when we kind of get into, uh, we become believers, we kind of jump into this following God's example thing, and as opposed to it being something that our relationship with God has inspired us to be more like him, and our, our, our kind of um, private time and prayer with God, we just are constantly shaped to, to be his example and to be um, a, a reflection of his goodness and of his love. Sometimes it becomes a pursuit of, um, of, of vain intent, that it's, it's not really birthed out of a place of kind of love and relationship, but it's birthed out of religion and me like looking good on the outside. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And we kind of get into this legalistic pattern, and that's not what it's about. So we have to make sure we, we start with that. First thing I, I really want us to grab a hold of in this text is that our relationships um, with believers um, today should be a reflection of the love of the Father and the sacrifice of the Son. That's really what we see. Our relationships should be a reflection of the love of God and the sacrifice of the Son. Um, I think when we begin to look at our relationships, and I want you to begin to evaluate your relationships just in your life right now, whether it's a marriage relationship, whether it's a work relationship, whether it's friends or family, begin to evaluate them because here's the the truth of the matter is that your theology, our theology, is evident in our relationships. Our theology is evident in our relationships. I'd say, if, let me explain that a little bit more. If you're a control freak in your relationships, I, I would almost put money on it that you have a very, I don't want to say a low view of God, but you have a much lower view of God than what it should be. 
You don't see God as the sovereign God who put the stars in their place and created everything. Or you may say that you believe that, but when it comes down to maybe the smallest things of like coming up a hundred bucks short on a paycheck or like wondering how, like all of a sudden, like you're scared to death. Like what happened to the big sovereign God who put the stars in their place? But all of a sudden when this little problem, all of a sudden I got to go out and make this happen. And we don't put our, we don't throw our faith into to God and saying, God, you're capable of this, right? If you put the stars in the place, I think you can take care of this little problem. Your theology is evident in your relationships. And so if you haven't relinquished control to an all-sovereign God who is over all and through all and, and began this work and will finish it, if we haven't lost control here, then we're probably really controlling things here. And that begins to damage it. You see it in your relationships. If you found yourself gossiping, a.k.a. talking junk about people behind their back, like if you found that happening in your relationships or you know someone, here's, I don't, I, I, I try not to get too upset, and that's one of the things I, I really fight for in our church, that that doesn't happen. Like, I, I've been known, to, if I hear someone, I'm like, you better zip it. Like, I'm for real. Like, that is not welcome in this house. Like, that's not what the scriptures teach us. That's not the kind of body we are. Um, but I, I think if you find, begin to see gossip in your own life, Someone walks away, and then, man, you just whisper a little something about them, right? If you begin to see that, here's what I would probably guess is taking place in our theology, in our relationship with the Lord, is that we haven't really, really dove in and grasped our deep need for a Savior, right? If we're constantly criticizing how much someone else needs you know, or, or whatever they've got going on. We haven't really seen the depth of ours. We haven't really repented of our own sin because we find ourselves, again, sinning once again, gossiping behind someone's back. And so I could go on. There's example after example, whether it's control or gossip or sexual immorality or you name it. And, and many times we just look at the exterior and we look all, at all these um, kind of effects in our relationship, but we're not looking at the cause and it begins with our theology. Begins with our theology, our understanding, and our view of God. So when you begin to feel relational strife, when you feel something going astray in your relationship, go back to the foundation, and it's how we view our entire worldview wrapped around how we understand um, God. So our, our theology is evident in our relationships. And here's, I, I went and saw a, a movie last night that was like a financial movie, and I, for whatever reason, I don't know if I'm just getting older, but I'm really into like reading financial articles. It's super weird. I've never been into this stuff, but I've just, I'm all of a sudden like interested in like finance and like global economy, just because there's so much going on with it. I'm just trying to wrap my brain around it. And, and here's kind of a reference for anybody that's in that realm, um, that if you don't invest in your relationships, you, you, don't, you don't get a return. If you don't invest in your relationships, you, you don't get a return. And here's the thing, there are seasons where all you do is invest, 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 Right? I've got a, a, a little IRA set up and trying to put some money away for retirement in the future, not putting a lot, but a little bit back. And, um, and it's what's happening right now. Anybody out there can tell me, right? You're losing money. Anything you invest, like you're just losing, right? And so it's an investment season. It's a, it's a bear market. And so sometimes when things are kind of tough, right? Maybe we're going through a bear season of life. And we, we just like, man, I just need to, I need to get rid of this church thing. Like I, I just, I don't have time for the relationships, right? I don't have time to be involved in this. I don't have, I don't have time to hang out with this person, right? And, and we just say, it's kind of a bear season right now. I'm kind of afraid to have relationships right now. What we realize is that sometime it's going to roll around, 
and we're going to realize that we really needed that return and we're going to hit retirement, right? We're going to hit a season where, man, we wish we could draw from that. But if we haven't invested anything, there'll be nothing to draw from. You guys with me today? We have to invest in our relationships if we're going to reap a return. I remember sitting in a room, and I may have shared this before, with a guy who was in Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren over in California. He was in his small group when his, his um, he had been in his small group for like 10 years, and uh, Rick Warren was kind of known for making small groups what they are. I mean, he's a big kind of pushing that in the American um, Christianity of just making that really a life of the church. And um, his son, uh, for those of you that know, a few years ago, uh, he had some mental illness stuff, um, and he actually committed suicide. Just tragedy, just deep, deep tragedy. Uh, they had known uh, about it for a long time. They had, he had battled depression for many, many years, uh, and he committed suicide. And I was in the room with this guy who had been in his, Rick Warren's small group for, for, I don't even know how many years, 10, 15 years. And he goes, sometimes, guys, we just think that these small group things, they're just another thing on the calendar. They're just another thing until we realize we, we hit a moment like that and we realize how much we need that community and how thankful we are that, that we have invested in those relationships. And so I just want to encourage you, invest in those relationships. Um, the, the grass is greener where you water them, so continually invest in them. Look what Jesus said in, in John 13, 35, and he said, this is the thing. He said, this is how they'll know you're my disciples, if you love one another. Right? Um, not mission trips, right? Not lights, um, not good messages. Like, if you love for one another, if you have love for one another, they'll know that there is something real happening in your life when someone does attempt to gossip and you don't let it happen, right? When there is an opportunity to just experience deep love for one another and show that, there, there's, there's something really deep that happens, and that's how people really are attracted to this body of believers that were knit together at the feet of Jesus and through the blood of Jesus. Uh, and so uh, one thing I didn't highlight is that just when we're a reflection of the love of the Father and what the sacrifice of the Son. So many, someone, so many of us push away from relationships, and this is going to hurt. Everybody tell the person next to you, just brace, this is going to hurt, right? Um, sometimes we push away from relationships. The answer is really simple, because we're selfish. Because we're selfish. And, and we, we don't see the pattern in the scripture of building relationships and investing in one another's lives and how valuable that is. And the, the, and the reason for it is very simple. We're, we're selfish and we... we I, we just don't care. We just don't care, right? I've, had, I've told you this many times, and I'll share it again, um, that there was a time in my life where I was studying to be in the ministry, and I, haven't had to, I had to have an honest conversation with God and said, God, I don't care about people. You've called me to care about people. Help me to care about people, right? Some of you in the room, like, you just don't like people, and, like, you're going to have a very difficult time fulfilling the life that God's called you to and living out the gospel if you don't love people, right? You may have been hurt by people, but God wants to heal that. And he actually wants to use it in the long run. So I just encourage us, move away from that selfishness, get in the relationship, and then the reflection thing comes really easy. It, it, it becomes very easy. Once you have been loved, we love because he first loved us. It's so much easier to let that flow through us when we're receiving it. If we're just kind of moving it from all these external places, there's nothing deep to grab hold and give, right? So if you're finding yourself running up against walls, 
Um, start with the relationship. All right, let's move on. Let's keep reading. I'm going to read um, like seven verses, something like that here. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Right? Some of us kind of worry about kind of moving too much into like a legalistic or holiness kind of realm because of maybe where you grew up and they were really intense about how you dressed or, you know, different things. Um, but this is, this is a part of being God's people is that we're a little bit different. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving, right? There's a switch from everything that was coming out of my mouth, now it's thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Let's continue. Therefore, do not be partners with them. He's saying there's, there's, there's a difference. Like, we've got to understand that there's a, a difference in, like, light and darkness don't have fellowship. For, once you, uh, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness righteousness and truth and find out what pleases the Lord. Here's the second point. It's really simple and I've kind of like laid it out already, but it's just that our relationship with believers are going to be different. They're just going to be different than they are with non-believers. They're going to be different. We have a completely different worldview. And many times we kind of put all community and all relationships into the same basket, right? She's got all these friends and some of them are in church, but Sometimes we're really like, we keep our friends separate, do we not? Like, these are my church friends, and these are my non-church friends. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you kind of keep them a little bit separated. Like, these I kind of share these jokes with, and then I tell my churchy jokes over here, right? <laughs> you know, I don't put that dress on when I go to church. I put it out when I go to the, to the restaurant or up, <laughs> up in the club, right? <laughs> That's some of you people. <laughs> uh, be, but our relationship with believers, it's just different. One of the, one of the more shocking verses, I said the, the Genesis 22 passage is a really difficult passage as, G, as God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. One of the more like just baffling, like really hard texts like I just kind of scratched my head on is when Jesus like slaps his mom in the face relationally. You guys remember which one I'm talking about? There's this text where, where Jesus is inside a room and he's hanging out with a bunch of his disciples and friends and they come and they say, Jesus, your mom and your brothers are at the door. Like, you want to get up? I just picture, we were over at a friend's house, uh, actually for the, um, uh, the Super Bowl party, and they had a lazy boy, you know, he laid back. And I laid back in the thing and finally kicked my legs up, and I was about gone, like that quick. And so I just pictured Jesus like in a lazy boy, which there wasn't lazy boys then. But like they ask him, Jesus, your mom and, and brothers and sisters are at the door. You want to get up and greet them? Jesus straight up like just says, that ain't my mama, basically. She said, and he basically said, I'm not getting up from the lazy boy. He said, my brothers and my mother and my father and my sisters are those who do the will of God. I don't know about for you, that's always been tough for me. Because I just can't imagine myself like kind of backhanding my mom like that and to see Jesus kind of like, take such a like stern thing, and I don't think he would ever actually do that, but I think he was saying something of deep significance that, that maybe we shouldn't kind of trail off into some kind of 
a theological rabbit hole about this, but I think it should bring us to what Jesus is trying to highlight. He's trying to highlight that this relationship with believers is deep. It's way more deep than what we even grasp or can comprehend. You with me? Many times we just think our relationship with believers are right here in the physical and the handshakes and the encouragement and the doing church events together and doing church together, but it's way deeper than that. Our relationship with believers is knit in spirit through the blood of Jesus. And so that relationship with believers is going to be so different and so deep that we can't even fathom it. Bonus points. Yes. Um, You can't even fathom it. You can't even understand how deep this relationship is between believers. And and it comes because we have a completely different worldview, right? Let's let's unpack that a little bit. Like we have these different um, worldviews. I mean, think about our relationships. If if you're going to be encouraged um, and um, you know condemned by um, a a non-believer, they're going to come from what kind of worldview? They're going to be sharing and encouraging and speaking and advising you from like a non-gospel worldview, right? And so their advice on relationships will be based on the temporary, not on the eternal. Right? It'll be based on what they see and not what God sees. Think about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in which Paul says to the Corinthian church, like, we used to even view Jesus from a worldly point of view. Now we view no one from a worldly point of view. So, so here's one, one way in which we, there is something united about believers and non-believers, that we as believers, w- when we look at people, we don't view them from a worldly point of view, even if they're kind of caught up in the works of the flesh. So they're going to advise you from that temporary worldview, um, and, and worldly, if you, if you, you know, again, I don't want to get into this us against them, but us for them. But believers are going to advise and encourage and confront you from a gospel, eternal perspective. And that's a really beautiful thing that we need in our life. 2 Corinthians 5, again, kind of set that up. View no one from a worldly point of view. I mean, think about it financially. They're going to begin to advise you from a temporary point of view, and it's, not off, it's off of kind of the world's economy and not God's economy, right? Matthew 6, 19, 21 said, don't store up for yourselves treasures in this earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up your, for yourself treasures in heaven, right? God knows the heart of a giver, and we put our trust in him financially. It goes on. I mean, think about it. Morality. Many times we're asking, like, if this is moral, and if we're asking someone that's not a believer, they're moving from a temporary mindset, not the eternal, not from a biblical uh, worldview. And so they're, they're not going to be able to kind of share about the depths of someone's heart. And maybe they may have some of that kind of woven in there. But I mean, what First Samuel uh, chapter 16, I believe it says, when um, Samuel is actually going out to uh, anoint the king, and, and God says to him, don't look on them, don't look at their stature, because I, I look far beyond what men see, but I look to the heart. Right? That's, a, that's Kyle's paraphrasing. But that's kind of what took place. He was going out, and he said, don't look for the people with the biggest stature and the strongest stature. God, I'm looking at the heart. And so when it comes to moral issues, sometimes we're just worried about what we're going to get caught for and these temporary mindset and worldviews. But in our relationships with believers, it's different because there's a whole different worldview and relationship with God and the gospel. Let me kind of begin to get into our our last point. And let's let's finish out the text here. We've got another like 10 verses or so. Uh, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. 
It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. There's another little gospel jab, or gossip jab. Um, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. I, I just need to unpack that again. Just read that one more time. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light, right? God's going to do something in us, and then he'll do something through us. That This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, right? Sing a new song. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I think the last thing that I really want to highlight in how our our relationships with believers are, are unique is that we encourage one another and we lead each other to obedience in Christ, right? There should be this, this mutual encouragement in what a, kind of a churchy word is like edification that we're just, and really the Greek meaning for that is building one another up. There's this mutual building one another up. Many times when, when you kind of maybe even view me, we were talking about how, you know, many times try to, my, my relationship time, at times with people is a little bit weird. It may feel like my job is really to build you up, but you know what? I see just as much all of us as an opportunity. I come up and I come and I get built up by you. You edify and encourage me and build me up in Christ to be the vessel he's called me to be. And so in our relationships with believers, there should be an encouragement towards obedience to God, right? And that's not something that you're going to have outside of that and spiritual growth, right? So we encourage each other in these ways. He goes through and he lists a bunch of things. If you go back to the text just a little bit, he, he goes back to like light and darkness and, and basically saying that it's exposed. And many times when someone outside of the world, and this is not always the case, or outside of the church, outside of the uh, body of believers, when they um, bring you know, uh, uh, something you did wrong or something, there's going to be condemnation on that. There might be judgment, right? And that's not always the case, right? There, there's many folks that don't, don't do that. And, and sometimes in the church, there's people that bring that judgment and condemnation, right? But what the scriptures teach is that there shouldn't be that judgment. And that's what the body that we should be, and that when light exposes it, we respond with grace and with forgiveness, and we're an encouragement towards obedience, right? And so we bring that light, we bring that truth and goodness into one another's life as we encourage each other. Not only that, but wisdom. Wisdom is kind of like an untapped thing. I, I just love that Solomon, when he had, so, you know, God just said, what, what do you want? And Solomon asked for wisdom. He said, I just want wisdom. Give me wisdom. And that's kind of the wisest thing you can say. It's like asking for more wishes, right? Just give me, just give me wisdom because if you just ask for wisdom, then it's going to give you wisdom to figure out your financial problems. God, if you give me wisdom, then I'll be able to sort through and have an understanding about my relationships, right? Asking for wisdom is a very deep thing. And that's something that's brought in by the body of believers. And what happens within us is that we advise each other and we encourage each other. We lead each other towards obedience in Christ from the wisdom of God, not from a man's 
kind of mindset. And many times we shy away from that. We shy away from these deep relationships. Maybe, maybe it's not because we're selfish. Maybe it's just because we're too busy. Maybe it's just because we think we've got it all figured out. Maybe it goes back to that control issue or something like that. So there's so much here to kind of unpack, but there's this encouragement and obedience and understanding the will of God, right? It's like, um, you know, you've heard the phrase, it's blind leading the blind, right? Sometimes we're asking uh, people that, that have a completely different worldview for us. And like in our heart of hearts, our, our goal is to please the Lord and to obey the Lord. But then we go ask someone that doesn't. We go ask like a, what's the, one of the tarot card readers? We go ask them what we're supposed to do with their life. It's the blind leading the blind when really we should be fellowshipping with the body and, and praying for wisdom from God as he leads us into obedience and towards spiritual growth. I think this last verse, and the band can come, and this is the thing I want to highlight. And I think everything else hinges above this in our relationships to believers. Everything hinges on verse 21. And it's one that we never think about, but I've been talking about a lot so far this year. Verse 21 says, submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, the rest of this chapter goes into this kind of hotly debated text about husbands and wives. Some of you may be familiar with it, in which it says, you know, wives submit to your husbands, husbands submit uh, to the Lord. You guys know which text I'm talking about? You probably argued with somebody about it before. Um, but it's this kind of, this hotly contested text um, that I think we, we make way too confusing that's not that confusing. Because verse 21 is, has not got into the whole marriage thing yet, right? This analogy of, he's really talking about the church the whole time. He's talking about the church the whole time, and it just kind of begins and uses this as example about the relationship of, of, of Christ in the church and the husband and the wife and how they are to, to submit to one another and love each other and serve each other and give themselves for one another. Sometimes feel like, uh, guys take that text and, and think that it's like, Oh, therefore, like, I'm calling all the shots, and like, I'm, um, and I'm not getting into, like, a a spiritual authority head of the house. Uh, I I believe in that, but I I think many times we can take this and take it as a, a right to be controlling, right? And really what it's speaking to us about is just mutual submission to one another. Not even in the home, but in the body of Christ. And guys think they get a pass on this, but it actually raises the stakes for men. Like, it's not submitting, it's like giving your life as Christ gave himself for the church. And so sometimes husbands in the house, boyfriends in the house, we complain about the dishes or we complain about the, the trash being taken out or whatever it might be. And, and Jesus raised, or, or Paul raises the stakes so high here and says you should give yourself like Christ gave himself for the church, complete submission. And so in this room today, I believe that all of us find, I, I think, Throughout this, through scriptures affirm it that there's this deep need for community and relationships. And I believe that God wants to do a, a new work in our relationships in this season. I believe that He does want to get us away from this kind of rose mentality and help us to do life in circles. And just like Jesus was walking with the disciples day by day, doing life with one another. And so I don't know what's resonating with you out of this text. Maybe it's. Um, your theology is evident in your relationships. 
and that we should be a reflection of the love of God and sacrifice of the Son. I don't know, maybe it's just thinking through some of these conversations you've had with people not of the faith that are kind of have a different worldview, and it's making you look around and say, man, I really need this, the wisdom of the body, the strength of the body. And I believe that God wants to bring us into a new work in our relationships today. And I feel led to, to kind of close our message time, and these guys are going to lead us in a, a song here in just a moment. But I, I want to ask you um, to stand with me today. I want to ask you to stand with me. We're going to um, come and, and, and receive the elements today in just a moment. Uh, but I don't want anybody to take them yet. You can come down here. You can get them. You can go back to your seat. Um, but I don't want you to take them. I, I want to take them in unity this morning. Uh, I want to I break bread and consume bread unified in the body of Christ. Talk about unity in this room, but there's really this beautiful thing that takes place and what this table is all about. It's, it's simple yet so deep. It's a symbolic representation of the body and the blood of Christ that was poured out for us, saying that we couldn't do it of our own flesh and blood, but what he did at the cross was enough for us. So we don't come today to celebrate salvation from our own works. We come to celebrate salvation through the grace of Jesus. It's a full expression because it says, do this in remembrance of me every time you gather. So it's looking back to what he did. It's a tangible present representation. It's not just something he did then, but it's something he's doing now and reminding us of what he did. And he says, the next time we take this, it'll be in my kingdom. I return. And so it's past, it's present, and it looks towards the future. So know at this table there's hope for you. If you've never said yes to Jesus and you feel a tugging in your heart to respond in faith today, or if you have questions, we'd love to pray with you uh, at the crosses uh, in just a, a few moments. Um, but I want to pray for us right now in this room and invite you to come, take the elements. Just don't consume them yet. I want to consume them at the same time. I hope that's not weird, but that's kind of what I feel led to do today. So I'm going to pray. If you guys will lead us in like a verse and a chorus, and then um, once everybody's back at their chairs, we'll, we'll take it together. Pray with me. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for your example in all things, not just in sacrifice, God, but in love. That, God, you've called us, and out of this relationship with you should birth forth just being an example of love. Help us to do that today. Help us to not make this thing too complicated and just rest in the relationship. And out of that, from that place, God, flows this beautiful community of the body of Christ that you've connected us and we're wound together whether we want to be or not. So much deeper and more spiritual than what we ever realized. God, we thank you for the table. God, for the heart that's in the house today and just doesn't know you and struggling to believe. God, I pray, I pray that faith that you placed in them would rise up like a single mustard seed that's planted in the ground that grows up to be a great, great tree for you. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the table. We give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. <laughs>